Hey everyone, you're listening to episode 19 of the Taste in Sea podcast. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you all know that we're going to be talking about a sensitive subject. So if you have any little kids around in the room with you, you may want to have them move to the next room. Or if you're listening in the car and you have some small kids in the back, you may want to listen to this at a different time. Today, we're speaking with Cameron Gamzo, who is a Florida native that went from barber to pastor to addiction recovery coach. He's married to his amazing bride, Kelsey, and together they have two wild kids. They started Pure and Free last year with the intention to help those who are struggling with unwanted sexual behavior, including an addiction to pornography. Through coaching, education, and awareness, they help people get free from porn for good. Today, we're talking about just that with Cameron. You're listening to episode 19 of the Taste and See podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Taste and See podcast, a kingdom-based podcast that exists to encourage saints, empower believers, and reach the lost with the goodness of God. Psalm 34, 8 proclaims, taste and see that the Lord is good. To taste is to experience, while to see is all about perception. Join us as we discuss our experiences in the kingdom of God and discover how we can impact the world around us through a new lens. Here is your host, Josh Emmerich. Hey, friend, and welcome to episode 19 of the Taste and See podcast. Better than the bonus fries at the bottom of the bag. Oh, yeah. Today, we're sitting down with Cameron Gamzo, founder, counselor, and coach with Pure and Free Ministries. Cameron, thank you so much for joining us today, man, and I'm excited to have this difficult yet encouraging conversation with you. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's a It's an honor. Well, thanks, man. So I like to start off the conversation with just a lighthearted, you know, not deep whatsoever question. So what is your view on Calvinism versus Armenianism? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, man. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I love that. But here's, here's a really serious question. Which are you, Coke or Pepsi, and why? Oh, yeah, okay. Here's the deal. Hands down, I'm a Pepsi guy. Uh, The reason why Coke is, I don't know. So Pepsi's got a little bit more sweetness to it, but Coke has that like peppery flavor that I just don't, I don't jive with it. And I think the sweetness in Pepsi just takes it out. So Pepsi is near and dear to my heart and my stomach. All right. All right. We can be your brother's. We can be a brothers in Christ, but I'm going to have to kindly and respectfully disagree with you. I am a Coke man all the way through. Fair enough. Most restaurants would agree with you. Yeah, I just, I mean, the McDonald's Coke, I don't know. I think they put something in it that just makes it taste that much better. But I'm telling you. See, I think in the best world, you could go to a place, get food, and go to a different place and get a beverage. Because if that were the case... I would go to Taco Bell and get Pepsi, and I would go to Chick-fil-A and get a number one. <sighs> sounds sounds like the perfect combo. Right? I wonder if that's what heaven will be like. I would imagine, but you won't have to go to two separate places. It'll be the same place. I know. 
I know. So tell us more about you. Like, how did you come to know Christ and what led you to where you're serving in God's kingdom right now? Yes. Yeah, so I was raised, uh, my mom raised us as Christians, you know? So I always joke with people that like, I was going to church before I was born, literally, you know, in the womb, she had me going to church. So i uh, been around church my whole life, went to a Christian school growing up. I think early on in that, obviously in those more formative years, I'm learning and growing. My spiritual formation is taking place and I accepted Christ along the way and, and became a believer and really started to walk it out. But I, it took me a long time for it to go from my head to my heart. And it wasn't until, uh, man, even just a few years ago where I felt like, I mean, and mind you, I was already a pastor on staff at a church. Like, you know, I was very involved, but I just, I, I knew that the, that the Lord loved me, that Jesus was my friend and my savior, but there was something I had been missing and it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. It was, there was parts of me that I hadn't really opened up to him. So yeah, that was like five or six years ago, man. And that's when it just really started to take shape in such a beautiful way. All along the way, there was, you know, maturing taking place up to that point. But that was like really the big game changer for me. And I was already serving in ministry. As I said, I was on staff at a church uh, as a youth pastor. Did that for about seven or eight years. Before that, we were serving in young adult ministry. And before that, I was not really going to church. Uh, I kind of took a season of life off from 18 to kind of 19, 20 years old, where I I went out and sowed my wild oats. I just did whatever I wanted to do. You know, I stopped going to church or if I did, you know, we'd go to church and then we'd go party afterwards. <laughs> Been there. Saturday night church, you know, and then we go to Ybor City. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of how that looked early on. And uh, and now I, I serve in the capacity of, you know, helping other people who are, they're just trying to get better. You know, they, they want to get to know their best self, and they're willing to ask the tough questions, much like yourself, <laughs> which I love, man. I love that you guys are talking about the tough stuff here. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, the reason why I invited you to come talk with us today is because uh, we're going to be talking about something that I'm willing to bet that many of the people who are listening, if they aren't currently struggling, have struggled with this at some point in their life. Hmm. Um, and are just afraid to admit it. And, you know, here on the Taste and See podcast, we're all about getting vulnerable. And this is me, your host, being vulnerable and being honest, saying that sexual addiction, especially an addiction to pornography, is something that I struggled with for a long, long time, mm. even as a pastor. And it is something that I recently felt myself struggling with recently, not like yesterday, but last year. And so I reached out to Cameron because he offers a ministry specifically for that. And Cameron, your story is so powerful and see God's just intervention and his love just interwoven through it and I just really just feel honored to have you on here today to really just share that story. So tell us more about your story and how did you get free from porn? Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you for being honest. Thanks for being real here. I hope for those listening, I hope you know that 
there is no weakness in that transparency. There's only strength. Um, it's a beautiful thing. So thank you for the courage and the, the strength, bro, to share that. Yeah, so my story, a lot like my my faith walk, it, it's really interwoven. It's intertwined with my faith walk. On the outside, I always lived a very, you know, Christian lifestyle. I didn't party when I was younger, like in high school. I didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't sleep around. And so I had a lot of pride based on that. You know, I, I was very proud of the fact that I didn't do those things. All the while, I had this very secret behind closed doors, uh, this struggle with pornography, with lust, fantasy, uh, and compulsive masturbation ultimately. And that was, I mean, that was like my dirty little secret. And when I was younger, I, I just felt the tension, you know, I felt the compulsion to, to act on that. And it seemed innocent enough, but you don't really know until you know. And then uh, as time went by and I just continued to do that, really ultimately just solidifying and crystallizing what was going to become the most toxic thing in my life, in my adult life. I was solidifying that as a young adolescent. So, you know, I, I felt so much shame and guilt for what I was doing. I felt so bad. I would go to God all the time, even back in high school, middle school, go to God all the time, you know, on my knees, pleading you know, please help me, please help me, please help me. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. It definitely created a, an unhealthy, toxic shame perspective in regards to my faith walk. Like it totally destroyed any semblance of God's grace that I understood. And it actually took until just like five years ago for that to become, you know, slowly be rebuilt. It took a long time. And so, yeah, I, I struggled constantly it, it felt like it was like it dragged me, it drugged me into itself. You know, it felt like a current that was literally pulling me and I had no control over it. And I felt so silly, you know, I felt so weird that I'm like, here I am. Like, I love Jesus. I know what the Bible says. I know what it teaches me. I believe, you know, Romans chapter six talks all about ultimately like our sin nature dying when we accepted Christ. But I was like, man, my sucker is like a zombie because he keeps coming back to life, you know, <laughs> over and over and over again. I cannot, I can't get rid of it. So it was, uh, it was frustrating and, and, and tough, man. And then I got married and had some kids and became a pastor, but I continued to struggle in secret and it was a mess. Uh, it, it was, I was, I was truly living these like two separate lives. And, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, their lives, kind of caving in on themselves, you know, when they have to lead on these two separate lives or multiple lifestyles, you know, mm -hmm. but I felt like for me, it was more like my two lives were like pulling me apart. Like they were literally like I was coming undone. And uh, I got to a really low point, man. I, I got to a really low point emotionally and spiritually. I mean, in every way I was considering suicide at one point, I was considering leaving my wife and, you know, in my head, it was, it, it made sense. Give her a break. Cause I'm a hot mess. You know, mm -hmm. I don't deserve her. She deserves better. I'm just going to go away. Mm. That was my mindset. And I'm thankful because we had started seeing a counselor in that season who specialized in sexual addiction. And I, I won't, I won't name her, but man, she was, she was BA. She was awesome, man. She just knew what to say. She, she did not punches. She was like hardcore. And um, I went to her 
eventually really broken. And she was like, Cameron, I think, I think you're ready. And I was like, what am I ready for? She's like, I think you're ready to really start recovery. I was like, I thought that's what I've been doing this whole time. Like, I haven't I been paying you to do recovery? Like, what, what are you talking about? But she literally just proceeded to poke holes in my whole, what I thought was recovery. And she was like, no, you know, the accountability you think you have is not real. The boundaries you think you have are not real. The surrender you think you've been doing, it's not real. And then she showed me why. And I just was so broken, man. I just told her, I was like, all right, whatever you want to do then. I was like, Let, let's, I, I trust God and I trust you. So let's just give it a whirl. You know, <laughs> like what the heck do I have to lose? You know, mm-hmm. and that was October 17th, 2016, uh, the day that her and I had that meeting. And two days later, I brought my wife into a counseling session with her, explained the situation to my wife, explained the severity uh, of the situation to my wife. And we agreed to ultimately to start recovery, took some time off of work at that point. You know, my, my pastor was gracious enough to give me a, a couple of weeks to kind of clear my mind and get some focuses, you know, some things back in order. Yeah. And it just started this crazy journey, man. It's been five and a half years now. And it's like, it's wild. It has wrecked my life in the best way. Mm. I mean, the best way. So now my, my, my passion, my goal is to help others who find themselves caught in that current that I was talking about, feeling like there is no freaking way to get out of this mess. So I'm like over there on the sidelines trying to throw a life preserver, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a ride, man, but it's been cool. And thank you so much for just being honest and sharing that and yeah. being vulnerable with us. You know, I think I think if we're all willing to admit, we've all gone through those moments where we've gone through what we call the seasons of like the dark nights of the soul. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say that we truly find ourselves at the foot of the cross when we come to the end of ourselves. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I can imagine, you know, just me back in high school when I found Christ, it, it was, it's, I was a mess. <laughs> and yet. Here's God. He's like, hey, I have something a little bit better for you. But it didn't mean that everything was going to be easy and cheery and and great. You know, I think it was um, Matt Chandler was uh, speaking on this a few years ago when he had cancer. Mm. And he was at Catalyst. They used to have those big like pastoral conferences. And mm-hmm. I had gone to Atlanta one year for one of the conferences and I heard him speak and he had no hair. And here he was in the midst of chemotherapy and he said that the truth of the gospel isn't that if we follow Christ everything's going to be rosy everything's going to be peachy everything's going to be great that we're going to be waving our flags and celebrating those mountaintop moments but that we're going to go through valleys we're going to go through seasons in trials and struggles there's going to be times when we're battling our own worst enemy which most times is ourselves yeah but yet we get Jesus and he's enough no matter what we go through. Mm. And so, man, I just I just love how God brought the right counselor into you and your wife's path and allowed you guys to really just heal together and work through recovery. So speaking of recovery, if someone's listening right now and they feel that they are in bondage to sexual sin, whether it might be 
pornography or masturbation or just simply having a problem with staring at that girl in a skimpy bikini on the beach. God help us all. (laughs) What's the main thing someone wanting to get free from a sexual addiction needs to do? Oh, man. That's a, it's a great question and so impossible <laughs> to answer. I, I will say this, though. If, if we were to sum it up, I don't think we could, but if we were to sum it up into a singular thing that somebody would need, if, if they were, like you just said, maybe they struggle on some level, surrender is where I think it all comes back to. The difference between the old me and the new me is not that I didn't watch I did watch porn and now I don't watch porn. The difference is that there was surrender. There was a catalyst moment where surrender had to start and then continue and never stop. My life before that, I thought it had existed. I thought surrender had been there. What I realized though is there was partial surrender. And what I tell people is when you have partial surrender, you get partial freedom. Partial honesty, you get partial freedom. You know, partial this, partial that. So I was, I was giving part of myself over to God, but I was still holding back some aspects. And although I was saying that he could have it all, I wasn't showing that with my actions. So surrender has become that. It is easily the hinge by which all of these things turn. Yeah, I think that's number one for me, for sure. All right. So what does... I want you to put your theologian, your Bible scholar hat on for a, a moment. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Looks great on you. Thank you. What What does the Bible say about a struggle like this? Um, I was sorry. I was looking for something to put on my head as like a hat, but <laughs> we're past that joke. We've moved on and I'm still hanging out back there. <laughs> I'm a little slow. You just gotta sur- you just gotta surrender that joke, man. <laughs> surrender it. Yeah, I, I can surrender some things, you know, but my cheesy dad jokes never. So, yeah. So the Bible, uh, man, the Bible is so so clear about certain things, and then so unclear about other things. So let's start with what it's clear about. It, it's clear about the the purpose for. Uh, the connection between a man and a woman, husband and a wife, sexually speaking. Uh, it's clear about that boundary and that parameter. So what why I think culturally we looked at we look at that and we go, well, that's not fair because that means that I have to get married and I have to be in a heterosexual relationship and I have to wait until I get married and I have and we think of it all as has, have tos. And ultimately when we have that type of mindset, we end up thinking there's a barrier between me and the thing I want out there. When in reality, if we stop and pause for a moment and look at God's plan, we actually realize that that barrier is between me and anything that could potentially harm me. So the barrier is not in order to keep me from, the barrier is in order to keep other things from me, from hurting, from harming, from impacting me in a negative way. So for one, we have to just kind of address that, you know, that the the boundaries, parameters that God has established and what we find reading in Old Testament, New Testament, ultimately is that it's for us. It's for our good that he puts these, these clear boundaries in, you know. Jesus, obviously, in the New Testament shares, I love it because he takes like, 
you've heard this, but I say this, you know, it's that whole, that classic line that he, he comes in and says, you know, you've heard not to, you know, be with an adulterous person or be an adulterous person. But I say, even if you look on a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. And I think if we like pause for a second and we actually think about that, contextually, he's saying, if I have even lusted after another person, if I have even thought of another person in an inappropriate sexual way, and I've entertained those thoughts, like it's beyond a temptation and I've now engaged with it, if I have done that even in my mind, it's the same as if I had been with that person. Meaning the severity, the, the weightiness, the kind of the toxicity of it all. It's as if I was with them. That is really tough for this current generation. What, you're, what I'm finding even within Christian circles is a lot of people are trying to like minimize their need for sexual boundaries. And so a lot of the conversations I'm having with folks are, you know, well, sex before marriage, is it really bad according to this, that, and the other thing? Well, who's, who says, you know, show me in the Bible where it says, right? We'll have a lot of those conversations. Or they'll talk about, well, masturbation, you know, masturbation, is it really bad? The Bible's not clear about it. So how? Pornography, is pornography bad and why? And we're having these conversations because I think people are ultimately, they're trying to minimize what Jesus made very clear in that statement right there alone. If you've even dropped an ounce of lust you know, even if an ounce has been has been spilled, then it's as if you've done it. It's as if it's been real. And that's a that's a tough one, man. That's a hard one. And a lot not a lot of people like to hear it or accept it. I know I didn't at first either. <laughs> man, it's so good. You know, a lot of there's a lot of people that I've talked with who, you know, of course I, I know that the gospel is is this beautiful love letter from God on behalf of Christ. But I always say, if you read the gospel and you're not a little bit offended by it, <laughs> you might want to go back and read it again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because <laughs> Jesus gets real. He gets really real on some stuff that I don't really want to listen to. And there's times where I just have to put my big point, my big boy pants on, yeah. sit in the chair and just listen. Yeah. You know, that's so good. So it's hard, man. It's it's really hard. And so I want to ask you, what would you say to someone who is listening right now and they're feeling really ashamed and embarrassed and they're scared? They're absolutely scared to reach out for fear of judgment or looking like a weak Christian. Mm. What would you say to that person listening right now? Here's the thing. If you're out there, you're listening to this right now, and you're thinking to yourself, man, by admitting that I have this issue or uh, by going to somebody about this, like it could even be an informal, you know, I'm going to go to my friend, my mentor, my peer, uh, my father, my father figure, whatever. Uh, It could be coming to see someone like myself or a counselor. I mean, by doing that, if you feel like I'm I am admitting that I'm a weak Christian, the way that you just put it, those words, weak Christian. I think it's it's perfect that you put it that way because if you're afraid of being a weak Christian, then you're afraid of letting Jesus be Jesus. Simply put, Jesus is strong and we are not. And there is nothing in the Bible that tells us that we are without him. 
And this was something that I just, I misunderstood it so dramatically. To be quite frank, I think a lot of people do. They think, as I did, well, when I get to know Jesus, I become stronger. So after time has gone by, it's almost like my strength should rise with the time that goes by as well. And so then I need him less and less because my strength is rising, right? We, we use the analogy of infants and babies and toddlers and, and children and adolescents and teens and adults in the sense of spirituality. Oh, they're just a baby Christian, you know? Well, you're always a baby Christian because Jesus referred to us as lambs, not even sheep, which are the adult versions, but lambs, mm. the baby version. Right. <laughs> like we are intended to be weak. So if you're going to have if you're going to have the mindset of I'm not allowed to be weak because I'm supposed to be a strong Christian then and then I would just invite you and no shame I'm not putting any shame out there by saying this I would just invite you to really ask yourself am I willing to let Jesus be Jesus hmm. am I willing to let Jesus be the strength and am I willing to admit my humanity my honest and raw imperfection and I think if we ask that question, on, on, it's a hard question to answer. But man, that's where that's where we get grace, which is actually a part of the healing process anyway. So uh, we, we say it, you know, in any of the anonymous programs that you could ever hear of, you know, alcoholics or narcotics or sexaholics or any of that. One of the things they say is, you know, the very first step is to admit that you have a problem. What's funny is that the 12-step programs were actually originally derived from the Gospels. So although it sounds like 12-step created that concept, they didn't. They, they grabbed it from, uh, the, the original authors at least, grabbed it from the Gospels. The Bible tells us that if we're simply willing to admit it, right, if we're willing to find forgiveness from God, but freedom by communicating it to another person, that's where freedom takes place. That's where healing takes place, is in, ad, in admission. So I think admitting it, man, if you're on the, if you're listening and you're on the crux, man, just go for it. I, I dare you just do it. You won't regret it. I promise. Mm, and it's so good. Thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate it. So Psalm 34, eight, I'm sure you're familiar with the verse says, taste and see I'm, that the Lord is not, good. Oh, you're not familiar with no, it. I oh, am. you remember that? Oh, you remember it now. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so, just testing you. Yeah. I was yeah. testing you. Ooh, A plus, Josh. I get a gold star. All right. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, Cameron. Psalm 34, 8 proclaims, taste and see that the Lord is good. When I think of this verse, to taste is to really experience. Experience who God is, and seeing is all about perception. So I take that as when we experience who God is, when we experience his His goodness, it has a direct effect of how we see the world around us. Hmm. So how have you seen the goodness of God displayed in your own journey of getting free from porn? I mean, if you think about it, you have to swallow a lot of pride to admit you have a problem and get help. I wouldn't call that a really positive experience, but yet somehow God is still good in the midst of it. So how have you seen his goodness in the midst of your own journey? Yeah, that's really good, man. That's a great question. Um, I think I think the answer is kind of in the question as well. So it was in 
the times of like deep, deep despair where I'm like, man, everything's on the line. If I'm honest with my wife right now, she could leave me. She could divorce me, take the kids and I could, I could be left, you know, and, and it would be a totally valid thing. It, it was in those moments. Where, I mean, if we're just honest, like that's a heavy moment, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a pretty serious stuff. Yeah. Um, sure. It was in those moments where I was like, all right, if I, if I am honest and that were to happen, would I still choose to be honest or would I still pursue this? And ultimately you ask that question and it's so hard to answer it. You just don't know until you do it, you know, cause you don't, you don't know what's on the other side of all of it. And so you make a choice to be honest and where I've seen God's goodness is been not just in the way that my wife has responded to me, cause that wouldn't necessarily be fair for any of the people out there whose spouses haven't responded the way that she has. Although that has been good. Um, she has been my ride or die, like by my side, the whole stinking time, man. And she's come through her own healing journey as well. Been a lot of restoration, but I know that's not the case for everybody. So where I've seen the most goodness in, in God to me has been that every time I've taken a, a step of ultimately like blind faith where I'm like, I don't know, it, this could kill me. You know, being honest, this could cost me my job. This could cost me my family. This could cost me my life. Every time I've taken a step of faith and I've been honest about something, instead of it destroying me, it is actually, it's done the very opposite. It has absolutely freed me and strengthened me every single time. And it's so weird to say, but that's why I say like the answer's in the question, because by being honest, I've experienced freedom. By exposing the reality of my sickness or my sin, I have experienced healing and forgiveness. So if we want to experience the fullness of God, we've got to be willing to lay it all on the line. And when I say lay it all on the line, I don't just mean like in your quiet prayer closet corner where you have the talks with God, you know, (laughs) God, you can have my whole heart, you know, Jesus, I'm all yours. But I mean, like you lay it on the line, you know what I'm saying? Like everything is on the line. But in that we find, oh, wow, there's healing in this. You know, there's, there's goodness. God is good even through these seasons that, to be quite frank, I, I should be like kicked in the nuts and crawling around on the floor dying right now. But God is, God is honoring me and he is healing me and he's doing work in my life. I don't deserve that. That's God's goodness, man. And that's good. When you're talking about taking the step of blind faith, I, I'm reminded of that Indiana Jones in the last crusade movie. When he, right before he gets to the uh, Knight Templar and all the different cups that he finds, there's this big cavern within this cave. It's it's like this big, I don't know, like a big canyon. and A chasm. It was a chasm. That's it. That's the word I was looking for. It was a chasm. The chasm was far too wide. Someone got an A in geography class. Not at all. Anyways, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no. I got out of high school by sneaking out, not by getting a grade, good grades. I was like, oh, man. Just barely. Anyway, carry on. Man. Carry on. Chasm. So Dr. Jones gets to this chasm, right? And he's not sure what to do. And he realizes that he has to take a, a leap of faith. And he's like, what? What? And so he sits there and he puts his foot out and he puts his leg out 
and you think he's going to fall deep down into this chasm and his foot lands solid right on this invisible, this invisible log, I guess is what you'd call it. And so then he takes some dirt and he throws it on to see the rest of the way. But it's, it's, that just reminded me, you know, that the Christian journey is so, it's filled so much of those moments yeah. where we have to take steps of faith in order to see God work like God works. Because, you know, yeah. I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm under the impression that God can do anything, but he gave us free will. So he'll only do so much until we actually surrender, like you said, till we actually submit to it and we actually commit to it. Submit, commit. I don't know another word to rhyme with it. Uh, omit. Omit. There we go. Maybe. I don't know. That it doesn't Maybe. you know, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I like commit and submit. Commit and submit to it. You know, it, it's in those moments that we commit and submit that that God really shows up and shows out. So thank you for reminding us of that, of taking those steps. So speaking of steps, what is one step? What is one step or like an action step or a challenge? you want us to walk away with this week? Ah, uh, man, that's a great question. You're not going to like it. I mean, you might like it, but I don't think everybody's going to like it. I don't always like it, if I'm honest. Um, can we be honest? Is that okay here? Um, I mean, we tend to shy on it, but I guess. Okay. okay. Just give me this one time, you know? Um, as long as it's not a dad joke. It's definitely not a dad joke. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> But we find it actually in the Bible, Psalm 139, David, I think it's 23, 24, could be wrong, but David is praying in this Psalm and he says, um, Lord, search me and know me. He says, test my anxious thoughts. If there's anything in me that offends you, I want to know it and help me to live in the life everlasting. Help me to, to surrender it over and to live the life of everlasting. A prayer like that is very audacious. It's also very gutsy. Like it takes a lot of cojones to pray a prayer like that. Because if you think for a minute, if you're genuine anyway, you think for a minute God's not going to be honest right back to you. you. You're in for a surprise. But here's where the challenge is. If we'd be willing to position our hearts in such a way where we are the students and he is the teacher and we say, teacher, show me, is there anything in me even the slightest that you say needs to go, if that is in me, would you help me to surrender it right now? Would you help me to, to walk it out now? And whatever God starts to reveal to you, that's your next move. He says, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I really feel like you rely too heavily upon the drinks in the evening or on the weekends. Okay, I need to go to the God about that. I need to go to, you know, positive, you know, Christian influences in my life and discuss this. He says, hey, I really feel like you're, you know, your you're lust of the eyes, the, the way that you, you know, your eyes just kind of wander around while you're out and about. That's got to go. Hey, I feel like the lust of the, you know, in the mind, the fantasy, the porn use, the, the honestly, the infidelity or cheating on your spouse or the sleeping around or whatever. I mean, whatever he throws out there. If we're willing to surrender to him, man, we, we take a step. We make a move. 
usually the very the very quick second thing is to be honest. Um, more often than not, God will require honesty as a follow-up to any of the things that he's asking. Because he's not going to say, hey, give me this thing conceptually. Now he's saying, give me this thing actually. And, and one of those action steps is, is honesty with, an, uh, with another person. So that's, you know, hey, you share your infidelity issues. You, you share your sexual struggles. You share your pornography use and, and your, you know, your, your pain associated with it. You share it with another person and you start to walk the, the healing road. That, I would say, is like, that's something we could all walk in. Doesn't matter what you're struggling with, but we could all walk in that today for sure. That's so good. And, you know, I, I'm recalling as you were talking about that, I reminded myself, I, I more my mind was going back to a year ago, probably around this time or a little bit before then. And I picked up my phone and I reached out to you saying, you know, man, I've been sober for years and I relapsed. I mean, I was, I was sober for like for years and I relapsed. And it was at the urging of my wife that caused me to do that. And, you know, I remember just being honest with her and saying, you know, I'm really nervous about this. You know, I'm in, I'm in ministry. And she looked at me and she said, all it takes is the first step. And I'll never forget that. Mm, that's good. And she mentioned your name. And so I, I reached out that. to you and it's okay, man. I'm glad I got that refund. Thank you for that refund policy. Yeah. I appreciate to- it. Totally. <laughs> You'd be so surprised how many guys that are like, bro, I wish I never met you. <laughs> i like, thank you. It means, means I'm doing my job right. That's yeah, right. It does. <laughs> yep, exactly. Cameron, if someone would like to connect with you or your ministry, how can they do so? Yeah, so... If you guys are on Instagram, we're on Instagram. Actually, if you follow me, my Instagram is just my name, Cameron Gamzo. I run all our all of our ministry stuff is run through my name. And then we also have a website. It's getpureaf.com. And that's got everything on it. I mean, that's got all of our all of our info about our ministry, about our coaching, the education stuff we do. We got some merch up there. Yeah. So those would be, those would be the two best places. In either place, you can get connected with me personally there as well. So uh, I'd love to connect with anybody who's who's feeling like down and out and saying, hey, I don't know where else to turn. I don't know what else to do. And ladies, if you're listening and you're feeling the same way or similar, let me just say this, I guess, if I can. You're not alone. It's not weird uh, that maybe you struggle sexually or struggle with pornography. Uh, in fact, the number of, of women who are struggling with this is increasing and catching up to the number of men uh, at a very dramatic rate. There's a lot of reasons for that. But let me just say this, if you're struggling, you're not crazy, okay? Uh, and there is there is hope and healing for you just as well. So even for the ladies that are struggling, reach out and connect. Um, for anyone that is a woman who's struggling, I pass you off to uh, some other friends of mine who are at Authentic Intimacy. They are amazing. A uh, friend of mine, Joy, over there, she, she works with women specifically who are struggling through and walking through sexual addiction recovery. So... Yeah, whoever you are, whatever you got going on, let's go. Let's do it. Thanks so much, man, and thank you for your heart. Well, friend, this wraps up our awesome conversation today with Cameron Gamzo. If you would like to connect with Cameron or his ministry, you can find all of his links by scrolling down through the story notes or by visiting www.tastencypodcast.com and clicking on the guest page. 
Cameron, bro, thank you so much for your time, the laughs, and your transparency today. It is truly appreciated. It was an honor, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Thank you for listening to the Taste and See podcast. We hope that you were encouraged and empowered by our conversation today. For future and past episodes, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by visiting www.tasteandseepodcast.com. Now go, live for the kingdom, and always remember that the Lord is good.